All right, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 and Ephesians chapter 6. So you can um, hopefully mark one of those, hold one of those spots, and be in the other. So Exodus 20 and Ephesians 6, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. And while you're turning to those two places, I want to mention just a few quick things. As we approach July 4th, and the celebration of our country's independence, it is helpful and good for us to remember that although we are independent as a nation from other nations, we are totally and completely dependent on God for every one of our needs. He alone can provide for us. He alone can grant us both as individuals and as a nation the grace needed and the freedom that we experience is truly a gift from God and one that we ought to, yes, celebrate, but celebrate by recognizing the grace of God in that gift. So as we are here at the start of a new month, I want to also remind you to make sure you pick up your scripture reading plan. So those are out uh, on the tables out uh, in the foyer, in the hallway. For If you have not been in the reading plan and, and you're kind of like, oh, is it bad to pick up in the middle? It is not a problem at all. Reading the Bible is always good. So uh, feel free to jump in. That just kind of helps give you what, what to read next. So I encourage you to do that. And I, if you don't know where we're at in this study in uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, Kenny just mentioned it. Uh, we, we will be looking at how to honor our fathers and mothers. And so I wanted to mention a couple resources that we have in Corner Books. One is uh, Paul David Tripp's book called uh, Parenting. It is very good, no matter if your kids are new newborn or teenagers or anywhere in between. Uh, it is an excellent book on pointing to the gospel in parenting. And then uh, we published a book here called Kindred regarding the gospel and the family. And so I believe that that book can be helpful as you consider different aspects of family life. And so both of those are available in corner books if you want to check either one of those out. Okay, jumping right in. Here is a quote I want you to hear. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He's completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it, his bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toy, his uncle's watch, or whatever. Deny him these and he settles seeds with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want, every child would grow up, <coughs> excuse me, a criminal, a thug, a killer, and a rapist. That was written by the Minnesota Crime Commission. Not a like, speck of Christian idea there from the author. But it speaks to all people born into sin, right? Which is all people. So 
it is more clear then why it is that the Lord would write such kind of law into place, such a commandment to honor your father and your mother. So with that in mind, let's look to scripture for God's plan to tame the savages. Here's what he says in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Then turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Hopefully you made it there already. Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll look at the first three verses. Sounds similar. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Here's a note. This is the first commandment with a promise. Verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay, this is basically Paul restating what is said in the book of Exodus, but he, he starts with something right before that when he says, children, obey your parents. So there is, there's two parts to this, both obedience and honor, and we're going to focus our time on those two words, trying to understand them, what they imply for children, what they imply for parents, and then, even rightly so, as Kenny said to us, what it means for all of us as children of God. You see, the word here in Ephesians 6 uh, for children is a word that is referring not just to little children, but instead to all offspring particularly, though, those living in the home or still kind of under the authority of parents. I would argue this. I realize that uh, there are many college students in the room right now. And uh, if you're wondering if you're still under your parents' authority, do they pay your bills? Then you're under their authority, okay? Do you live in their house? Then you're under their authority, right? This, this is the way it goes, right? Uh, part of this college age is, is as you're kind of taking step by step out of the nest, but you're not quite out yet, right? So, so as that's taking place, consider what that looks like and really what that might look like for you as a child or even as an adult or a growing adult. Again, for us as adults, there's part to this that this is not just for children, meaning little people. This is also meaning for those of us who have uh, parents still alive today and how we obey and even honor them in many ways. So we'll look at those. And then if you are a child, meaning that you are are a little person. I want you to pay close attention today because this message is one that you ought to be like, uh, pouring in for your life now so that for the rest of your days, you will both obey and honor your parents. You know, sometimes kids, sometimes you, there's a, there's a sermon that takes place and you're like, man, that one doesn't have anything to do with me. Uh, this is talking about marriage, or it's talking about being a parent. And I'm, I'm eight years old. I'm 10 years old. Well, today is your day, buddy. So this one's, this one's for you, okay? Uh, it's for all of us, as I have said, but I want us all to, to particularly pay attention to these ideas of obedience and honor. So let's start with obedience. One, obedience is an action, Obedience is an action. To obey literally means to hear under. 
meaning that to obey means that they will listen intently and obey what they say, obey what is told to them. This idea of obedience and hearing, y'all have, y'all have heard me talk about this before, but you know how uh, sometimes you, you might give an instruction. I know this happened at my house when I was a child and my mom would tell me to take the trash out. That was my, my particular chore. And I remember so many times, it's sad that I remember it so many times in my life, but when mom would say, hey, I need you to take the trash out. And I'd say, okay. And I would not quite do it right then. And then a few minutes later, she might say, Chad, I need you to take the trash out. And I remember uh, when I wouldn't do it right away, again, after the second or third time, when she would say, I I know you heard me. And I would say, oh, I heard you. And she was right, right, but you're not listening. Right, you heard, but you didn't listen. Or you heard, but in reality, you didn't obey. So did you really hear me? Because if you heard me, surely you'd be doing what I say. And so this idea of obedience is to hear, to listen, to actually process what is said and to do it. Paul David Tripp says, submission to authority that is not me is unnatural for any sinner. Sin makes us want our own way. Sin makes us want to set our own rules. Sin convinces all of us that we know better. Sin causes me to want to do what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. Sin makes me resist being told what to do by another. Sin really does insert me into the center of my world, the one place that I must never be because it is the place for God and God alone. That's our nature, isn't it? To want our way, not want God's way, not want our parents' way, not want our boss's way, not want really anybody else's way. We just want our way. What we see here, especially in Ephesians, is this connection to uh, the Old Testament. But when it says, obey your parents, because obedience is right. Obey your parents because obedience is right. I like this. In verse 1, for this is right. This word right is like the word for righteous. It's not just uh, correct or obey your parents because obedience is correct. Obey your parents because obedience is righteous. Righteousness, right, is an act of holiness. This is the same word that we see in uh, Psalm 19. The precepts of the Lord are right or righteous. The, The commandment is right. It's righteous. It's good. Hosea 14, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. They're righteous. God's ways are righteous. You, these days, you might think that, that some parents seem to think that they should obey, obey their children. It would just make their life easier, happier maybe. Just do what they say. And decisions by children usually aren't right, aren't good. This is not the natural order. The child really doesn't have the same amount of wisdom as the adult. Right? I'm, I'm even not that sorry about that, kids. Right? That's just the reality. They're, 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 you haven't had the experience. Do you realize this? That even animals follow the orders of their parents? It's, it's, it's us kids, it's us humans who decide that it's a better, that we know better. 
John Stott says it this way, child obedience belongs to the realm which came in medieval theology to be called natural justice. It does not depend on special revelation. It is part of the natural law which God has written on human hearts. It is not confined to Christian ethics. It is a standard of behavior in every society. Pagan moralists, both Greek and Roman, taught it. Stoic philosophers saw a son's obedience as self-evident, plainly required by reason and part of the nature of things. This, This is across the board in every nation, in every country, every part of the world, every uh, culture says children should obey their parents. It's just the, the way it is. It makes sense. But in scripture, we see more than just it's the way it is. This is a word that says this is pleasing to the Lord. It's right. It's righteous to follow in the order that God has designed. So obey your parents because it is right and obey your parents because obedience is commanded. Right? Show them respect and love and care for them as long as they need us and to seek to bring honor to them by the way we live. I want to point this out for those of us who are adult children. It is our task to continue to show honor, which we'll talk about even more, but to display that to our parents, even as they are adults and, and we are adults. And that can prove challenging at times, but it is a necessity for us. You know the phrase that every kid hates to hear from their parents? When they say, why do I have to do that? And our answer back is, because I said so. This is like the biggest I said so statement from the Lord. Obey your parents because I said so. It's, it's just what I say, so do what I say. Yes, he gives, he gives more than that, doesn't he? He says, it's good for you. It's, it's righteous for you to do this. It's, it's pleasing to do this. But this is reason enough. What if there was nothing else added to this? What if it doesn't say that your days may be long in the land that your Lord is giving to you? What if it doesn't say that? Does that mean, ah, we don't really have to do this one? No, when the Lord says anything, our response must be, yes, sir. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't get to say to the Lord, the one that we have said, hey, you are Lord, you're in charge, we surrender to you. No, we don't get to say no to him. Like, no, Lord, is the chief oxymoron. No, we don't do that. No, obey your parents because obedience is commanded. Also, obey your parents because obedience brings a blessing. You don't need to be convinced of obedience with a blessing, but it sure is pretty awesome that there's a bonus that comes with it, right? We just said that we should obey him purely because he said so. And so we should obey our parents only for that reason alone. But it is nice that there is a blessing. Your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's both in Exodus 20 and in Ephesians 6. This is repeated to us. Children, you were made by God to glorify God. Now, that's a 
that's a big word, maybe glorify. You were made by God to please him, to make God happy. You were made, designed, crafted, uniquely, specially made by God to make God happy. This may have been what you were looking for instead of just an I told you so. This does not mean that every child, by the way, that, that dies early was a delinquent child. doesn't mean that every person that lives long has always obeyed their parents just because it says that their days may be long in the land. In the same way that we know that Proverbs 22, 6 gives this uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We know that there are children who have grown up in the church and then grown up with godly, wise parents, and yet when they got old, they departed. It does not mean that Proverbs 22 is not true or accurate. It doesn't mean that this is not, that Exodus 20 is not accurate. What it means is these are, these are uh, like a proverb. It is best for us to be trained by our parents. It is best for us to honor our father and mother. And when we do so, it, is, it lends itself to a long life that's honoring to the Lord. So just to be clear, parents, just because you do your part doesn't mean the kids will turn out just as you wish doesn't give us an excuse then to say, well, then I guess I won't do anything. I won't train them up. No, what it means is that your task is to train them and put them in the Father's hands and trust him for the rest. It's to instill in them truths of God's word. And children, it is that your job is to obey and trust the Lord for the rest. You see, sin always robs us. Our tendency to sin, Warren Wiersbe says, though, that obedience always enriches us. It's always better for us to do this, which leads us to then thinking about this word honor, right? So we have obedience and we have honor. This word honor in, in uh, Exodus 20 is repeated in Exodus 6. We don't see in Exodus 20 the word obedience, right? That's only in Ephesians 6. But here, honor your father and mother. Honoring, well, if obedience is an action, honoring is an attitude. Honoring is an attitude. That, that means that it's uh, a little bit harder to detect, right? Do the thing you're told to do, but the, the way in which you honor is the, uh, the way in which you actually complete the task that you're asked to complete. That's most prevalent in the way in which you stomp or do not stomp when it comes to the doing your chores or whatever the things are, right? The way you pout or stick your lip out or whatever the thing is. But here's what I want us to remember. I want you to, to hear this. Honor your parents because you are a Christian. Now, I realize in a room this size and uh, that, that some of you are not Christians yet. And so I, I'm aware that, that even a statement like that might not be fitting for you. 
But I still think it would be most wise for you to honor your parents. And for those of you, certainly those of us that are members of this church, those of you who are followers of Christ, honor your parents simply because you're a Christian. This is the way in which the gospel is displayed. It is good for other people to even see you honor your parents. Not just obey them. I, I think of this uh, particularly as you get a little older and, and you're with your friends uh, and your friends say, hey, do you want to do this thing? And you say, no, my parents told me I can't. Maybe it's possible that even in the way you say that, no, my parents told me I can't do that, and they're right, right? There's a way to honor them in the way you speak to your friends. Instead of my parents are so lame, they won't let me do that thing I want to do. No, it's, it's, a, it's a work, an intentional work to try to display honor to them even when they're not with you. Honor your parents because you are a Christian and honor your parents because it is your biblical responsibility this gets pretty intense in the next chapter when in Exodus 21, both 15 and 17, uh, the punishment, listen to this, whoever strikes his father or his mother, right, so that's hitting, shall be put to death. So capital punishment for the, the child, the son or daughter that hits his father and mother. And if you thought that was intense, verse 17 says, whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. There's something pretty valued here about the parental relationship and the parental authority that has been God-given. And for those of us who are no longer under the, uh, the roof of our parents, so to speak, we must remember that we are to honor our parents in their old age. First Timothy, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. We're supposed to honor our parents as they are needy adults. That's a biblical responsibility that we have. We don't get to check out just because we're older. God commanded, honor your father and your mother. Whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone, this is, this is Jesus, if anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Honor your parents. Think about this. In the same way that uh, paying bills for your parents is not enough, just like your parents paying your bills when you were a child is not enough either, right? M meaning like if, if all that is needed for love to be shown, for honor to be shown, is for the bills to be paid, but complete neglect given to the child, we would all say that's a problem. 
right? We would all look and say, that, that's unhealthy. That's unwise. You're not really showing, you're not giving what the child needs. And so when that, when that task becomes reversed, it is also insufficient for us to simply pay the bills for our parents to be cared for. We must actually do caring. Now, those, those come with difficult, tough decisions at times. Sometimes it does mean that we have to actually pay bills. Sometimes it does mean that we have to go the extra mile. But here's what I want you to hear, both child and adult. Honor your parents because it is a display of the gospel. Again, boys and girls, I I want you to listen carefully. You have a way to show your parents and your friends and your grandparents and classmates a picture of the goodness of God by the way you obey and honor your parents. You're able to show others that the authority structure, so the the way in which God has designed the family is good by the way you obey and honor your parents. Parents, I do want you to remember, as Paul David Tripp said, Mom and Dad, you have no ability at all by the tone of your voice, by the force of your personality, by your physical size, or even by your threats to deliver your children from their addiction to self-rule. If you had that power, Jesus and his work would not have been necessary. But Jesus does have that power. I wonder, parents, speaking to myself as well, what kind of example of God's authority are we showing our kids? Are we demonstrating compassion and care with right discipline? Are we showing conviction and concern at the same time? Children, Those of you living under your parents' authority, what kind of example of Christ's submission are you showing to your parents? Right? If Jesus submitted to his father, why wouldn't we want to live that same sort of submission out to our parents? I've been been thinking about this a lot this week as you can imagine, certainly. How we then are to obey and honor Christ. When you come to a text like this, and it is extremely practical, obey your parents, do what they say. And for, for many of us who are out of the home, some of us, our parents are no longer with us, so our obeying them isn't even a possibility. What then is this, how is this supposed to point us to a greater truth? How is the the commandments listed here, how are these, the Israelites, supposed to be seeing something even more than just honor your mom and your dad or obey your parents? I, I would argue that obeying Christ in all the commands we must follow is what is desired here. A greater understanding of obedience. 
Here's the reality. If you are a Christian, do you know what that makes you? Makes you a child of God. Right? We, we love to celebrate that we're in the family of God. We love to rejoice in the fact that we've been adopted, brought into his family. We enjoy and cherish the reality that, that this is a gift to us, that we get to call him Abba Father, that we get to cry out to him and, and celebrate that, that the one who created all things is our daddy. The, the relational aspect there, we thrive in, we love. And then sometimes, as we are all nodding our head in agreement that children should obey our parents, we look to our Father in heaven with our fist enraged, ignoring the exact rules that he has placed before us. Oh, church, we ought to be seeking righteousness. Obey because it is right. Because it is righteousness. I wonder, do you want to be righteous? Like, do, do you want that? I've been pondering this, this question for a while now. And I think sometimes... We like the idea of righteousness. Sometimes more than we like the reality of righteousness. Purity, holiness. We don't really want to look different than everybody else, do we? We'd really just kind of rather blend in. But holiness, by definition, means set apart. Look different. Sound different, act different, make different choices than everybody else. So, so maybe I should put it this way. If you do not want righteousness, then do you really have the Holy Spirit? Because the Spirit wants righteousness for us wants us. In fact, this is what's commanded of us. Be holy as I am holy. Be righteous. Be pure. Be perfect as I am perfect. Not, not just the idea that maybe people would perceive you or perceive me to be righteous, but actually wanting righteousness. I think some of us, myself included, that's where I found myself guilty at times is where I, I really just want to do enough to make you think that I'm righteous. Maybe, maybe that's sufficient, right? I'll just, I'll just let those other little sins, I'll call them little, even in my head, right? Because they're just in my head. You don't know about them. You don't know those impure thoughts. You don't know about those arrogant thoughts. But remember, you cannot bring righteousness on yourself. You might be able to trick some people into believing that you are righteous, but you must have the spirit at work in you to bring about true righteousness. In fact, remember that your obedience alone, you just doing enough of the right things, does not actually produce or cause righteousness. We believe in what is called the imputed righteousness of Christ. That means it is 
clothed, that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That means it's given to us, not earned by our good works. For our good works are like filthy rags. And this is all just in the obedience word. So before we even consider whether or not we are honoring in our attitude, we have to ask if we are even obeying the commands that have been set before us. Right? Some of us aren't even stomping our way, aren't even pouting our way through the commands. We're just disobeying altogether. And I would, I would, I would say this. Sometimes it's better to start obeying than trying to delay until you muster up the right attitude that should go with it. I know that's what we believe as parents, right? We would, if, if the job is clean your room, simple job, well, for some rooms, right? Clean your room. We would rather the child clean their room with their lip out Tears streaming down their face to not clean their room, right? Because one is not showing honor. One is flat out disobedience, which is also not showing honor, right? So some of us try to say, oh, I'm just going to wait until I can do this with the right motive, with the right attitude. Just obey. Delayed obedience is disobedience, Now, once you have started obeying, then honor Christ in the attitude in which you obey. Consider honoring God because you are a child of God. If this is intended to point us to our relationship with Christ, with God, then it is wise for us to consider that we are his child so consider the way you choose to obey. Right, are you begrudgingly following? Is it like painful? Are you pouting, stomping your way through? Like when you give, is it out of obligation or is it joy? When you serve, is it because we have annoyed you enough? or because you desire to surrender your time? When you sing, is it only because others around you are singing? Or is it because you are actually filled with so much delight that you must sing to God? I just, I just wonder, right? I think for some of us, the response today is, Lord, help me to obey you. Help, help me to actually, even if I'm pouting, even if I'm stomping my way through, help me to obey. And for others of us, we have been checking the boxes, following the rules, but we, we need to ask God to help us honor him. God, help me, help change the, my feelings, change my emotions, change my desire. I, I want to want to enjoy this obedience. I want to long for righteousness. Help me 
Because again, you can't, you can't muster it up on your own. You can't just make that happen. And for some of you, you need to consider your surrender to the truth of God. You need to consider that there is one worth obeying that is far greater than your earthly parents. There is one who has made a way for you that despite your sinful actions, but despite your savage-like personhood, he's made a way for you to have everlasting life with him. Through his son's Jesus' perfect life and his death on the cross and his conquering of sin and hell and the grave, He's made a way for you. And it does take surrender, right? You have to turn over your life. You, you, you surrender your will, your way, your desires, but you receive his grace. His riches at the cost of Christ's life. So maybe today, as you hear rules and expectations of children, might you be reminded that you are being called to be a child of God? Would you embrace that today? In just a few moments, we will stand to sing. And as we do that, there will be some who will be right here to my left that would love to talk with you more about that surrender. They'd love to pray with you and answer questions you might have and point you to God's word and try to seek to help answer those questions. But for for all of us, our job today is to respond. To respond in obedience, to respond in honor to our heavenly father. So would you stand with me now as we respond?